UX Podcast Episode 117. Hi and welcome to UX Podcast, balancing business, technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And Happy New Year. Right, Happy New Year and all of that. And as we say in Sweden, good fortsättning. Yeah, which is, yeah, good. Oh, happy continuation. <laughs> yeah, happy continuation of everything. <laughs> yeah, um, presuming you've had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully if you had a bad time. But I'm, Don't I'm not, go there again, I'll, James. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> right, uh, we're today going to bring you a topic show. Now... It's actually, we've just been talking and we've realised it's been a long time since um, Per and I did, well, a, a solo topic show, as in just me and, and him. We actually, um, we didn't do one all last year. Not really, no, the, not just me and you. Oh. <clears throat> the, last, the last one me and you did was, um, was in March 2014. Twen- um, 23rd, oh, 2014, 14. yeah, right. Yeah, wow. yeah. 2016 now. Jeez. Hence the Happy New Year thing. Mm. Uh-huh. I get it. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so what a topic show is. A topic show is, well, when me and Per just take a particular subject and we nerd out about it, I guess, for um, half an hour. Mm-hmm. And we just decided on this topic yesterday in a chat, uh, which was fun, because when you mentioned it to me, I realized, wow, you give me one word and I can think about things we could talk about for hours and hours just on that one word and that specific feature of, of a web page. Uh, and what I, t- what mm, I um, mm. sent to Per in the chat was just images. Mm. Now, the reason why I said images is because um, I'd, um, I'd stumbled upon um, a post on Medium, um, which actually I haven't got in front of me just now. Um, so I can't tell you exactly what it's called. Um, and that just made me think again about images and um, the, the complexity of it and the challenges surrounding it. And, and how also, people are doing it wrong all the time. Well, uh, how it's developing. And, and, and also, I think what, what really made me think that's going to be a, uh, something we have to have as a topic show is that I, I was reflecting on how challenging images are for a user experience practitioner in their work and in their 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 workflow. Um, so today's topic is all about images. So when you say that images are uh, like challenging for a lot of UX practitioners, I don't think a lot of UX practitioners actually think that they are challenging. They're very appealing to a lot of them. Uh, but in the sense that you mean, that I know you mean, uh, when we're talking about like things like performance uh, and load times and page weights, uh, stuff that a lot of UX practitioners don't think a lot about, then it is really, really challenging. Mm. Yeah, exactly. When you, um, I think, uh, when you're a UX, when you're a designer, a UX designer, and you're you're coming up with with ideas and suggestions about a, a web page, um, it's it's far too easy to to drag that little square um, from Balsamic across into your wireframe, or or sketch mm. um, a rectangle um, on a piece of paper. And and when you when you sketch that little rectangle, I think a lot of the time we don't really fully understand the consequences of what that rectangle mm. means. Yes, we're considering. I I, I I hope we're considering the the the. Um, usefulness in the image um, in helping achieve what we're achieving with the page from a visual um, viewpoint. Um, but I, I, I think we don't, th- we don't go so much beyond that a lot of the time. We perhaps don't think about, well, how many rectangles can I draw on this web page? And it will still be useful. It will still be something that appeals to people. Yeah, and mm. why wouldn't it be useful mm. with all those rectangles? Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, the... What we've been seeing uh, over the well over the years, but especially recently, we're we're seeing that um, um, images are becoming well. They've been a problem for a while, but they're becoming even constantly a bigger and bigger problem. 
um, httparchive.org. They've been, um, for at least the last five years, they've been um, running um, tests on... Um, on the internet, I guess you could say, um, to, to to look at what web pages are, are made of, um, mm. and um, what we see from those stats is is that images are just uh, you know it looks like it looks like Pac Man um, almost um, eating everything else. It's it's a huge percentage of um, web page content is images. It's at the moment um, it's one thousand four hundred forty three mm. um, kilobytes. Um, on average, per web page, out of an um, an average of two thousand two hundred sixty two mm. kilobytes. Mm. So, so not only is the is the average web page over two megabytes now, the the images are pretty much three quarters of that. Mm. Now, in just the last twelve months, that that has gone up by over two hundred k. Yeah. Uh, and and in five years, so since two thousand and ten, um, it's 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 not quite doubled. Um, but it's um, it's it's gone up from um, oh no sorry I, it has more than doubled it's gone up from 430k five years ago December um, 2010 hmm. um, so imagine how how much faster if you were using 2010s internet today on right. your on your on your mobile yeah even even though it probably isn't responsive hmm. imagine how much faster it would be. It is quite insane when you think about it, uh, but I do I do sometimes think about this, and I understand I understand the appeal. I I tend to like to use uh, header images. Uh, you've caught me out uh, using way too heavy images on my website, and I've redesigned it and I've used tools to uh, compress them. So I get I get the appeal, uh, but I know that people aren't thinking about the balance here. Uh, and the more I think about the balance, the more I think that people are overusing images uh, because they, as we have said so many times before, they're in an environment where the images load fast. The images load fast because they're either lo- using them locally when they're using the prototypes uh, or they're on fast connections, uh, which a lot of the users aren't and a lot of primarily mobile users aren't as well. I think also that um, one of the challenges we've always had is is clients uh, love the visual stuff of course um and and you know you mm. there's a requirement there almost to, to have some images and things there's a lot of pressure i yeah. think in, in many but, situations but it, it's, it's it's quite unfair though to say that clients only like the images because <laughs> i mean users like images as well and here's where i wanted to reconnect actually because I, I forgot to mention uh, when you mentioned images i thought instantly about uh, the first graphic web browser which was uh, mosaic and the, uh, the big yeah. appeal of that browser and why it was so successful back in 1993 or when, when it was released is that it had embedded images in, within content. Uh, so, so by that you mean that instead of having to click on a link to, to open an image somewhere else, yeah. you actually saw it mixed in with the, the You saw it mixed content. in with the text. Yeah. You have like, re- it, like a news, newspaper article. Of course, yeah. You have to remember, though, that back then, when once an image started loading, you could go brew yourself a co- cup of coffee and then come back, and it still hadn't finished loading. Uh, yeah. But it was, was still in so, there. He was so pleased <laughs> if someone had... Um, uh, well, maybe not back in 93, but yeah. you were so pleased when people started using progressive um, yeah. GIFs. So they, they loaded kind of one line at a time, but not in order. Yeah. They kind of... It, 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 they opened up each line randomly mm. almost across the image, so you you saw the image kind of... It was like it, a game or like a puzzle, yeah, like could, a, a, revealing it itself. Was. That was fantastic. <laughs> And that's what's happening today <laughs> as well now then. Uh, kind of, mm. yeah. It's the same thing mm. again. It's all, all mm. slowed down. But, but mm. um, we, we've mentioned so far mm. um, the size of images mm. and that being the massive chunk mm. of web content. Mm. Um, but uh, another aspect of this is the number of requests yeah. needed to, to form your web page. Um, and I think so you, have to, you have to explain this because a lot of people actually aren't aware of that there are a number of requests being made to the web server when it gets a web page. So a single web page has tons and tons of requests uh, because each image is requested by itself. Uh, yeah, you request um, the HTML document. Mm-hmm. You request um, any other assets you need to build the web page. So that CSS, would be, JavaScript. Yeah, JavaScript mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and, and all mm-hmm. the imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, yes, you can. Y- there are ways of, of, of bundling together certain images so that, Perhaps that's a quicker way of delivering because you're delivering several images in, in one image and you can then use CSS to lay them around. Usually called um, image sprites, I think. Sprites, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, 
but you you wouldn't do that with your um, with your visual imagery normally. That would yeah. be just kind of like um, decorative assets mm. if you were going to use sprites at all. Mm. Um, but every time you every time you request something from a website, then then that um, that isn't just the time it takes to download the the thing, which for a large image can be can be quite a while um, depending on your connection and situation. It it also takes time to to shout your request across to the server. Mm. Um, you know it's it, it, it takes a number of milliseconds to do that. And what we've also seen from the HTTP um, archive statistics is that the number of the average number of requests um, on a web page has also shot up. Um, it's 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 now. Um, I don't think I've actually got the, the specific numbers. Total requests per page. Yeah, um, the the biggest. 19, 20% of web pages now have between 51 and 75 requests per page. Now, five years ago, that was one um, one block lower in the graph, down to like 26 to 50. It was in that segment. Mm. Um, so we've we've not only increased the payload size of all our images, mm. we've also increased almost you know by by double um, the number of times we're asking for something, whether it's a script. Um, or whether it's an image or mm. CSS or something, and those also really really slow down um, the loading of the web page mm. um, or cause a potential block. Right. So now, so there's lots of costs involved in in adding images, which people don't think about. Not just the cost of image, the image itself, and the cost of uploading it, but the cost of actually in, the time and and energy it takes for the web server to present it to you. Yeah, mm. and we know then mm. that the that that cost. Um, visualizes itself in in a number of ways. I mean, yes, it impacts the user experience because if you if you have to wait seven seconds to open a web page um, instead of three, mm. that then isn't as an enjoyable or useful or as good experience as as, as a fast web page. Um, y- we have had discussions about how um, web pages can be maybe too fast. At times, that I remember was talking about a year right. or two ago. Yeah. Um, but um, but slow is generally um, bad, um, and it's also bad for conversion or for 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 task completion. Mm. Um, there's there's plenty of research out there that has shown that slower web pages um, have a higher, well, I, I suppose you could say failure rate or mm. or um, non conversion, um, and faster pages do a better job of it. Mm. Um, and there's something else that happens when web pages are slow, and it really pisses me off, excuse my French, is that when, when you try to click a button and the image hasn't quite finished loading and it loads just above the button, just about, just when you're clicking the button and the button jumps down the page, especially on mobile, and then you miss it and you click something else. And that tends to happen when pages load slowly as well. People, The pages are loading assets uh, via Ajax and, and uh, requests to the server while you're viewing it, and that's what ha- and stuff happens. Well, typical example is Facebook. You're reading something, you hold it up to your friend, and so look at this, and all of a sudden Facebook has loaded something else, and that's what happens with images as well. It it removes the content from view sometimes. I mm. remember when um, what was it? Well, some of the websites they started mm. to implement the, um, um, the the delayed delayed loading of images, mm-hmm. um, so that you you don't load the images that are not visible on screen. So you only start to load them once you're scrolling, right? Yeah, um, yeah I think I think one of the first sites I remember doing that was Mashable. Um, mm-hmm. They did that kind of thing, mm. but for me, it made it made their website unusable on my um, on my tablet that I had back back then, because when you were scrolling, I was expecting a, a nice fluid scroll, you know, as you, as you would kind of you know, of course, yeah. on a, on a touch device, mm. you want it you know, up and down with your finger, you can scroll, but. What was happening then is is because it was triggering on scroll, mm. the browser was working like crazy to 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 request the image because mm. it now it'd been running JavaScript, so it, it suddenly something had fired now going, oh, hold on, I need an image to fill this space which I've reserved here. Mm. I'll go and shout for it. Oh, and then it's coming back mm. and it's a massive picture, and now it, it's too busy to scroll, mm. so it, it kind of it slows down the device. It goes all jerky, and um, and and you get you get irritated by what's going on here. Then why can't they just load the picture while I was you know reading? Right. And and it used to be the case that people actually set the width and height of their images uh, so that there was space reserved for the image as well. But now because of responsive web design, people aren't setting that. They're saying with 100% or with whatever uh, and not setting heights uh, because they need the, resp- the responsive images. So the browser doesn't actually know what size the image is until it's been loaded 
which means that's what's also happening is that's when content tends to move around. Yeah, mm-hmm. although I've not been a developer, but um, it's hundred percent of the container parent container. Exactly. So, so you can actually so the the width you actually do know. It's the height. I think that's the thing, there, isn't it? Right. So if you don't have both, it still can't. Yeah, the, the height can't. will be a surprise to the browser, and it will push yeah. content down. Yeah, you won't get reflow. Yeah, you'll get some reflow yeah, um, yeah. because of the height one. But um, yeah. yeah. Now, I was just thinking that we can't call out just 100% width there, Per. We had to talk about the height. No, that, but that was just an example. That's what people are setting. Instead of yeah. setting the specific pixel width, they're setting 100% width and no height. Yeah. Hmm. How, does that, how does that impact hmm. accessibility? Uh, it depends on what type of images it, it is. Because if you're, you have a, an image that means that it's carrying content, you need to set an alt text for the image. Mm. Uh, and that alt text will be what's being read to the user using, a, for example, a, a screen reader. So that wouldn't be a difference. All right. Well, it, it depends on what type of handicap you have. Mm. But if you have cognitive disabilities, then a, a page with content loading, uh, <laughs> not in order, but when images suddenly appear, you're going to be afraid basically. And with the click areas, if you have motor disabilities and you're trying to click something and stuff is moving around and the area is too small, then that's going to impact as well. So there's lots of things to think about, of course. Uh, As always. Yeah. um, With the accessibility. Mm. But um, um, now these, I was um, Mm. thinking, well, can we, should we go now into looking into a bit more of of practically, how do we deal with this? Because now we've, we've given a fair bit of background um, as, as to images and the and the and the size of the problem, mm. um, uh, but what what can we do about this? Well, what are people doing? People are uh, well. My example was that they're they're uh, setting the width and height in, in specific ways. Uh, the thing is, and when I'm using images, you need to think about compressing them. And that's, it's an interesting thing that people aren't compressing images at all today because they don't really care, it seems. Well, that, I, I'm not so, I don't think it's necessarily they don't care. I mean, I, I've been, when I've been giving seminars and, mm. uh, to web editors, mm. uh, web teams, I mean, can, image size and compressing it is one of those things I've been talking about for years, of course. Exactly, we've been talking about it for 15 years. And, but what's happened, oh, I've noticed in recent years, mm. is that the kind of, I get a really, um, I often get a, a, a kind of nonchalant, or like, oh, no, but we don't need to worry about that anymore, reply. Yeah. Because they've been told that their CMS deals with it automatically. Ah, right. You know, they've, mm. they've been told that, that when they mm. upload images to mm. their asset, they upload mm. an asset to their mm. uh, media library, mm. that it's doing the compression for them. Mm. Now, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I think WordPress is supposed to do this. Um, amongst other CMS uh, tools. WordPress doesn't do it. No, oh, yeah, okay. there's a plugin for it that I'm oh, using. Right. That I, or uh, that I, I used to use. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that it, yeah. uh, what I've found is that mm. it doesn't really do the, the right job. Mm. Or at least some of these tools that I've, I've mm. seen have been claiming that they, they do the compression. It doesn't mm. really do it properly. And I don't, you, know, you still get, if you use then um, Google PageSpeed as a, as a uh, benchmark for that, mm. Google still say you could get more out of the images. Mm. Um, which to me is a sign that it's not been done properly, especially when it's a fair few percentage. But so yes, when you when you're talking about publishing, then then you need to not only think, okay, have I have I compressed this image to as a smaller size as um, will still allow it to fulfil mm. its function? Um, and how, how is an editor supposed to decide that? I mean, it's it's really difficult. So I, I, I realize I'm a bit unfair when I say they don't care. But there is no sense of urgency about it because when they load the web page, it's fine. They need mm. to think they need to put themselves in users' shoes. I mean, I sometimes think they need to go to Starbucks or whatever and sit with a bad Wi-Fi and and look at the web web page from there. They can't yeah. look at their web page from where they're sitting. But but your web editor who's working you know forty hours a week with trying to publish content that's been screamed for right um, and, by somebody, the and somebody and somebody tells them they're sending them an image and say use this image. Yeah. Mm. Um, which, yeah, you're not going to have time. For, right, for but I've that. given and talks around this, and I always there's lots of good online tools for, for compressing images. And the, and the people who I give uh, courses to, they say, oh, wow, I'm going to use that. And then in the end, they never do because they don't have time and they don't get that sense of urgency. 
Yeah, so we're, we're so we're struggling to find a good good solution to to web editors mm. when they're publishing content, uh, putting enough care into mm. images. Mm. Um, but the, the, right, the answer is there is reasonably simple, um, or should be quite simple, both <laughs> programmatically and from a from a user perspective. We but, always end up there. It's actually a culture thing. Yeah, it's a culture thing. Yeah. Um, so, so in that sense, we need to back up a step here now and, and move on to to you know, people who are responsible for websites or, or uh, managing them, exactly. um, and and there they've got to be more on top of mm. um, their performance data and, and not mm. not allow performance data to be the the sole um, arena of IT departments. And and you know and, and server guys and girls mm. that um, you running your website need to be on top of how fast things are getting delivered and how fast the experience um, of your website is. Yeah, um, you need to be thinking not of just about how many visitors you're getting, but how fast your web pages are loading on different devices. Yeah, and, mm. and, and different different page types uh, on different how many devices. Re- how many requests are being made? Yeah, how many requests have been made? I think that's one of those things that is, is, is difficult to understand what that actually means. But if you're looking at the overall mm. um, page load times, then then you're going to get an idea for that. And maybe you yourself don't need to worry so much about the problem of why your page is loading. I think this is a good point yeah, to that's mention. A, that's a good point. Uh, although I, I see a value in, in people seeing that number because then they can go to whatever developers and ask, what does this mean? And can you make it better? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, if you wanted to, uh, I guess you could set um, a target and say no more than this number of requests. I guess, um, but I'm not. I'm not sure that um, you, as as the kind of you know, the owner of a of a web asset or a project, um, if that's really the the best way to go about it. I mean, we've we've seen a fair bit of writing in, in the last couple of years um, about performance uh, budgets. Yeah. Um, and. Um, uh, I think um, it was a couple of years ago. Now that was first um, brought up as a as a, as a concept, and, and, and by Tim Cadlick, I think it was. Um, and what you, what the recommendation is there is that you would, um, in a project, you would you would set yourself a target or a limit and say, okay, um, for each page type, mm. um, we're not going to allow it to um, go beyond this size. Um, for example, and mm-hmm. and you 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 base that size. So if you say one meg for your page size, total page size with all the assets, um, you then have that as your as your as you target as your limit, mm-hmm. and you um, um, you base that calculation on uh, research that you've made according to maybe how fast your existing website is, um, how fast competitors' websites are, um, how many requests you expect maybe to to have in it, and images and mm-hmm. so on. So you make a you make a good guess on what's a reasonable amount of time that we can expect this to load, and how much um, you know what's the slowest time we maybe want this to to load based on the size mm-hmm. of it. Um, and then you have that in your team or in your department or whatever as as you know just as big a goal as some of the other goals you've got for it saying mm. you know if we go beyond this then we need to sit down and talk about why we've gone beyond it and um and i i love i love the concept of performance budgets because i can see how it gamifies development a little bit as well and well there needs to be a discussion point on your agenda yeah but i, I can see as well it, it, i can see how programmers would appeal it, it would appeal to a lot of programmers that i know that you know they've now got a challenge I see what you mean, yeah. um mm. of, of keeping it within a certain yeah. um limit and um and if they've if you've done it on some web mm. page types then i think a lot of the the no, lot of knowledge gained along the way will be of course reusable on mm. other page types so i think mm. you've got to um you've got to carry on with that investment mm. it, it keeps it leads through to all mm. the pages in your website or or in your app because it's the same kind of thing in apps these days as well that's it, that's but, then you, but then you need uh developers also with a strong voice who, who will say, be able to say when the designer comes with this sketch or whatever and says well, i want images here here and here and the developer has to say that won't work because we have a performance budget over here and this means we'll exceed that by x percent uh, but so developers need a seat at the table. They need to, a stronger voice, I think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You can't have the development in isolation, or rather, you can pair. But then, haven't you just got you've just got an extra iteration? 
I mean, you can you can do it like you say that they come there, you present something, and, they, mm. and then you have that discussion mm. and say, well, yeah, you're right, we've got a performance budget, mm. it's not going to meet it. Uh, designer or UX has yeah. to go back and and do round two before implementation. Or is um, this or is this the responsibility of the UX designer who, in cooperation with the developer, has to have this discussion and talk about it before even producing that sketch? Yeah, I think mm. if if you're not mm. if you're not a UXer that's um, that's feeling comfortable with mm. with dabbling in CSS and HTML, then we've I know I know mm. we've recommended it before in earlier mm. shows that a, a, a really good solution is pairing up with a developer that you sit much tighter mm. to to someone who's doing the development and um, and have a dialogue there. Yeah, um, by far the best experiences I've had in projects is where I've been able to sit next to a developer. Uh, as we're developing the stuff, it's it's just unbelievable how how well that works. It's a it's a fastest it's because a fastest it's, way of and it's an excellent great exchange as well because I'm learning stuff from him and he's learning stuff from stuff from me. So it's it's just beautiful and everybody should be doing it. But <laughs> but I mean yeah, so so everybody can't because people are sitting in 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 teams that are in different places, uh, different, or, different companies and yeah, different, although, different countries sometimes even. Or even different, mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily that everyone's inside mm-hmm. that team. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got situations where, of course, you, you're working for um, a UX agency mm-hmm. or design agency, and, and you've mm-hmm. been, um, you know, you're, you're, the project that's been sold is for mm-hmm. you to produce a wireframe or a design mm-hmm. or a concept. Mm-hmm. You've not been asked to, to produce you know, uh, the end result, or even any HTML. I mean, you know, we all we all sit in different situations at different times, depending on what's you know what's been what's been agreed on. And yeah. a lot of time, it's not perfect. Um, but what I what I think, uh, I'll be thinking again about wireframes and and the design process um, in regard to images. Mm. And when you when you sat there and you're, you've you done all your research and you're sat there now with your, whether it's balsamic or whether it's pen and paper and you're sketching. Um, when we add that rectangle to, to the sketch, mm. implying an image, like I mentioned before, what does that really mean? Do we understand, how do we test the, the actual consequences of that? How do mm. we understand from our wireframe that how many, how many assets do we have on this wireframe now? How can you relate that piece of paper or that that balsamic JPEG? How can you how how can you understand the performance impact of that design? Mm. And I don't think you can. <laughs> I'm actually in complete agreement with you uh, because I, we talked about two years ago. Uh, is wireframing dead? Uh, mm. People have it's been brought up time and time again, mm. and with reason because. When you show wireframes to clients, which perhaps is not always what they're for, uh, they don't understand the consequences of what they're seeing. Uh, but when we look at interactive prototypes in the browser, uh, then you actually get an understanding of, okay, so uh, if I have a small screen, if I have this type of computer, uh, or, or if uh, I'm on a, on a crappy Wi-Fi, this is what's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, we've... Um yeah, the, the, we've talked before about the, the wireframe's been, um, well, hopefully dead, but also the, it's thinking more about the communication, mm-hmm. that you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're delivering something that is just a communication tool um, to get to the next stage somewhere. And um, I still believe in sketching with clients on whiteboards, but then the wireframing process is shortened from weeks to, to days. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, that's the yeah. thing. I mean, you still got to mm-hmm. you still got to use mm-hmm. rough drawings and quick drawings of things, yeah. whatever form there are, mm-hmm. to in order to, to to have a discussion around things and to move forward, mm-hmm. or even internally um, to move forward. Um, but I mean, doing doing high well high fidelity wireframes or detailed wireframes is is a big investment of time, mm-hmm. and still doesn't answer your question about what's the performance impact of this. You still can't answer the question of have we gone over budget Very when it true. comes to performance. So so here again. Reminded me of of um, uh, oh, Stephen Hay and the responsive design workflow and and his um, encourage, encouraging words to get designing in the browser, um, which as mentioned, not every UX is going to feel comfortable with CSS and and HTML and so on. But the the quicker you can get into a browser, the quicker you can understand the impact of or, or the effectiveness of the of the design that you've mm. produced, mm. Um, and. I can't see how you get around that. You've got to be in the browser quickly or you're not going to be mm. able to have a full answer to this because you can't see it from... You just don't see that aspect of it from, from the sketch. 
Oh, exactly. I get this um, feedback all the time from my clients because they have requirements that I can move into the browser straight away because I have a prototype that's already there. Because that's the thing also. If you already have a prototype in the browser, you can make small tweaks and changes to the prototype based on the requirements that are coming from the customer. And then when they see it, some some of them, a lot of times they actually go, oh, wow, that's not actually what I meant or that's not what I had in my head. So really good. We could test it before we actually send it over to the developers. Yeah. I um what I've been doing with a with a new client um just before Christmas um we've um I've I've followed a little bit of what um Stephen here's been um, saying. I've been testing it for the first time with a client. Um and we we um had a workshop where it was it was primarily a content audit workshop. Um, you could say where we mm. we went through existing the existing web um, site, or at least we took a, a particular level, a page type from the existing website, and went through what content was on it, what content would we really need on it, um, what con- how do we prioritize that content if we now we're going to redesign it, yeah. um, and and from that, well, it was only a three hour workshop, but the result, the end result of that was basically just a just a, a numbered list of of, of content blocks. Um, that they thought were necessary and the priority priority of them, um, and from that I then um, I then used um, CodePen, which is a quick um, well JavaScript mm. HTML um, writing tool that mm. programmers use, um, combined with um, a CSS um, framework from W three schools called W three dot CSS. Which, mm. which I, 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 I like the look of because it was really simple to just put classes in that said, you know, um, a, a particular color or a particular width or mm. a particular heading and so mm. on. It, it, it allowed me to produce a responsive um, prototype. Mm. It, it, I mean, in about an hour after I'd come on from the workshop, I'd created something which worked in browsers and I could send them back in the, in the, in the summary of the, of, the, of the workshop results. Yeah. Um, no real design on it. It was just blocks, gray blocks of, of content. Yeah. But it had the it had the um uh, proportions according to um what we expected right um, so you can see roughly what will be above the fold how will it turn out when you go responsive uh, yeah. stuff like that and if anyone yeah. in the listening feels intimidated about going into code like james just described which i also recommend and like uh, i use a tool called webflow uh the, webflow.com where you actually just pull content into the page so it's more of a drag and, drag and drop it actually produces HTML code. I would never use for production code, <laughs> but for prototyping, it's fantastic. But yeah, but that's mm-hmm. but me and you are mm-hmm. using those tools, and, mm-hmm. and we feel probably a mm-hmm. little bit more confident with. Um, I mean, I've, I've I spent years as a programmer, and you in the early days also did a fair bit of programming. Yeah. Um. So so we are mm-hmm. we feel quite comfortable. Although mm-hmm. I'd feel really uncomfortable if I was having to sit down and produce. Um, a production code. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be. I don't sell production code, and I wouldn't want to try doing it anymore. Um, but as a prototyping tool, I'm I'm, I'm reasonably happy. Um, I'm happy now that there's tools that will help me do it in a reasonable amount of time. Um, but but what do we say then? I mean, are, is Webflow is that good enough for people who, are, who really don't feel easy at all with it? Or? No, no, it isn't. So what do we do? What what do we recommend or do for those people that that apart from pairing up with a developer? If you can't pair up with a developer, if you are in one of those situations where you need to produce a a, a prototype or a wireframe, but you, we don't really want you to produce a wireframe, we want you to produce something else. How do we do it? You're putting that on me right now. Okay, so my first <laughs> my first thought is um, there are other tools where you can upload sketches to the web and make them clickable, mm. uh, which at least is something you're putting it like we're saying inside the browser. Uh, like Marvel app is one of those tools. You're right. I've used that as well yeah. on some occasions. Yeah. So um, and you can that, use so, but then you have to d- make different sketches for different uh, page widths. Uh, yeah. Or browser widths. Yeah. That, those tools are the advantage with like Marvel is that you can actually take photographs of paper sketches. Yeah. Um, and upload them. Yeah. But yes, that gets you in the browser quickly. Yeah. But it probably doesn't answer the performance side of things. No. Because with with those tools, we're using mm. one. You know that that tool in particular uses one mm. basically one big image, and then sets of regions on it. Um, so why wouldn't you, you you eliminated the possibility of me saying now that pair up with a developer? Mm. But isn't that the answer? Isn't yeah. that always what you have to do? Or or you need to start mm. feeling it needs to become a core skill um, for for UX designers who are producing. Mm. You know, the layouts and so on. Mm. You need to have some rudimentary understanding of 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 HTML and CSS, so you can do things like um, 
oh, code pen and, and, a, and, a, and a CSS framework or mm. um, um, or one of the other tools out there. Mm. Um, just that, just enough. Yeah. Just enough. It's a da- it's a dangerous thing to say, say that as well, though. We're getting yeah. into now again imposter syndrome. Do I really need to know that bef- to call myself a UXer? And I don't think that's fair, really. No, but, you, but that's not what we're saying. We're not you, saying you that. You said UX designer. I agree with that. So I, uh, I'm not saying that every single person out there with, with in the world of UX needs to know how to code. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think we can put that on. Everyone. No, but right. you feel more confident even with CSS. Sure, I agree with that. But there, I mean, there's such a huge spectrum to the UX field. So if you're a researcher, then maybe you hand over to another UXer that's more confident. So it depends mm-hmm. on the size of your team. But if you're in a small startup, then perhaps I would. I would recommend that you have someone who will feel confident making that prototype. Mm. Yeah, because we can't mm. get we, we if if mm. we're saying that the mm. problem with images, mm. going back to what mm. the topic is, going back to images, mm. if we're saying that to 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 address the issue of images, mm. you need to be more aware of the performance in the browser. Mm. Then you can't get away from the browser. You've True. Got yes. to be there. Right. We're talking about images. Good that you cut that out. I almost you forgot. Forget. All right. So, so, so no. So to get get back to the performance side of things, yeah. you can't you can't get away from the browser. Mm. You've got to be in the browser. So, um, so if you can't, I, I guess, and if you can't, um, if you don't feel confident with 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 dabbling with that, and mm. you are in a world where 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 traditional wireframes mm. still still are king, mm. um, then the best you can do maybe then is try to be more aware um, and communicate that awareness mm. um, in, in, in your discussions. Mm. So, okay, uh, this wireframe we've, mm. we've, we've discussed and we've come, um, well, we've designed now, mm. um, it's, it's probably going to have this many mm. images. I mean, count the, count the rectangles and see, or, mm. or guess. I mean, yes, maybe you can get some mm. idea of the number mm. of images um, and, and potentially have understanding of the impact of the page yeah. um, i think we've mentioned you mentioned in the warm-up that we were having about um um videos yeah i saw actually tim wright was uh, posting an image or a link on linkedin about videos video backgrounds which of course the same thing again it's really really popular extremely heavy extremely heavy to load uh but fantastic they look fantastic once they load and sometimes they make me feel a bit dizzy, but that's me. Yeah, but but I think you're right. They're mm, they're mm. kind of the the new carousel, mm. aren't they? Um, they are, and and mm. these have a big impact. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, but but th- I've even seen them now on responsive designs, mm. uh, which scares the hell out of me. That when you're on a responsive, you know, on your mobile, and suddenly now it's it's doing a video background, um, um, then that's that's burning people's mm. um, um, data allowance. Mm. Um, didn't didn't you have an issue with um, um, the kids and data allowance and and so on this this Christmas? Exactly, I was looking at the kids because I'm, I never that's something I never think about because I mean I'm unlimited because I have the money to pay for that. I always have uh, <laughs> the internet, but they keep looking at how much data they have left this month, and that decides what type of activities they perform on their phone. Yeah, uh, which means that if you have pages that, like you were mentioning before, that that load—I mean, you you load the content above the fold. Some developers will say that, so you load the content above the fold, and that's fine. And people will see that straight away. And so once you start scrolling, you load the content after that. But that's not fair because that means that they'll be losing data, and then all of a sudden they'll be lowered down to a lower tier uh, before the end of the month and they won't be able to surf uh, on their phones as fast as they did before. So that's a big issue. But that's not just youngsters. I mean, different countries have different data plans uh, and they cost different amounts. And if you're, I mean, it depends on your target group. Again, you have to know what... And and interestingly, I think just this whole thing with data uh, data allowances is is an aspect of UX I don't think we've... Um, we're open enough about as in we never um, talk about it well no, no i was thinking more about communicating it because mm. we, we've we see on pages like medium they say this article will take 20 minutes to read mm. what what we don't see is is kind of something saying and of like well um this link we used to do it with pdf so we used to say mm. pdf um yes oh, exactly 428k because yeah. it used to be really mm. important to know mm. that okay mm. when you click on this link mm. it's going to be five mm. seconds mm. or 10 seconds mm. before you even see anything happen mm. um and and this is the same thing with with We've we've brushed under the carpet mm. data usage. Mm. I I had a similar problem with my kids. We when we were um, we were away during this Christmas holidays, and um, I had to I had to stop my kids from playing Roblox 
Roblox is a is a game they're really into now on on their tablets, um, which are lots of little games inside of. Mm. of I, I don't really understand to be honest. I've not completely got on top of it, but it seems mm. like they play lots mm. of different games mm. inside one game, and. I didn't realise it was online at all. I didn't, well, not online. I didn't realise how much it consumed. But after being, after being at my, um, my mum, my mum's internet, I mean, she's a pensioner. Um, she doesn't have unlimited internet Mm. either. Mm. Um, she has 10 gig a month, which for her usage is like Mm. five times as much as she needs. Mm. And I, and I keep track of her usage, so I know that. Um, when we arrived, we were blowing, we were blowing like a gig and a half a day, um, and even though I told kids, no YouTube, mm. you know, none, none of the streaming stuff, mm. ask me before you stream something because mm. it's grandma's internet. Mm. I had no idea that Roblox effectively mm. streams constantly. It streams, mm. I think it must stream music and video because it itself was using, they were managing mm. to use almost a gig each mm. um, from that one game. Mm. And I had, I had no idea. That was not something that was across my mind or was, was visible mm. to me. Mm. I only found out once we'd burnt... Uh, like a third of my mum's monthly internet. Mm. Um, that is insane. But but how? Mm. This is a challenge mm. that, you, as you say, your kids mm. face. Mm. Um, I faced indirectly mm. you know, through my kids doing yeah. it, and 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 this is because of, of lack of understanding when designing of the impact of what we're doing. Yeah. There's actually a commercial running in Sweden that's been really popular where the family uh, asks each other favors and they say that, so if you, you, if you go get me the cookies, I'll give you 500 megabytes uh, on your data oh, plan. Yeah. Uh, so, and that makes me laugh. And uh, I don't always think about, well, the, the work I do impacts how the, that family plays out because if, if things are loading too, too slowly or if things are too heavy, then uh, that impacts real people out there. Yeah. And how That's much right. money they have to spend. Uh, effectively, mm. um, bandwidth or, or data allowance becomes mm. a currency. And that's what the advert plays out on. It's, yes. it's, um, the, the, con- the, mm. the service that um, provider is, mm. is providing mm. is that you can, your family mm. pot of data, mm. you can allocate to different users yep. in your family, mm. um, which, which effectively makes it pocket money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new currency. It a- is a new currency. After Bitcoin. <laughs> so... Um, going forward the future of, of images mm. on, on the web have we have we covered that no, we've covered the future of UX designers yeah. uh, to a degree we talked have a bit about the solutions here uh, about how we approach and what to measure so it, I mean thinking of our tagline for this show uh, balancing business technology and users we've talked a fair about the te- bit about the technology we know why people want to have images because of the user aspect people appreciate images it makes them Feel, feel good, feel something. A, a picture says more than a thousand words, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we do it. But we tend not to think so much about the business part of it and when we're talking about images. We, we've, you've talked about performance budgets, but we haven't talked so much about why are we adding the images. And mm-hmm. it's really, really important to actually put things in place there so that when you're adding images, do we measure the impact of that? We need to measure, is it making the page better or worse? From from a conversion uh, or conversionist uh, po- point of view, yeah, are, are, are people testing. being able to complete their tasks better based on mm-hmm. adding that image, or are people leaving the page because it's loading too slow uh, and things like that? I don't mm-hmm. force editors to to put images mm-hmm. in because like w- stock images are a nightmare. And, yeah. and if if you're in a situation mm-hmm. your design mm-hmm. requires an image, mm-hmm. then I think we've got to think twice there as well. Because if your design requires an image without understanding the content that is on the page, then you're forcing editors to put pictures in there, which slows down the page and makes the experience poorer and impacts the brand, which is something else. If people just keep going to these free stock photo sites and using photos from there, that's going to hurt your brand because they're not going to be aligned with the rest of the content on your page. Well, well, even if you have an asset mm-hmm. library, even if you have a media library, mm-hmm. you, you know, working in these organizations, you know full well that you've got like, you've got 100 images to choose from and it's mm-hmm. gonna be, you're gonna end up choosing the same image again because yeah. you don't have unlimited. So even, even a company has mm-hmm. their own stock. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, um, well, uh, there's some things we've talked about previous um, to do responsive responsive web design and mm. and you know w- will we have to upload um, several different versions of an image mm. um, as well in order to cope with with you know m- that's one one budgets. solution that a lot of people talk about is having like five different versions of the same image for different breakpoints of your site mm. uh, and and if we can't get people to actually compress the image in the first place how are we going to get them to upload five different images yeah I mean, that, <laughs> that, that that kind of concept works yeah. fine when it's um when it's a very uh, well, it's, a, it's a 
high profile page on your website. Right. Uh, and you're in complete control and everybody yeah. understands it. Yeah. Mm. And it's worth the investment. So mm. like you know the start page and mm. so on. Then there you can mm. understand maybe mm. that, that that is gonna happen. Mm. But but when you call when you're talking about maybe I don't know, it's a it's a blog mm. page. Um, or it's a, it's an article. Um, there is 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 more difficult to expect that to happen. Generally, it's one thing if you're the Guardian, uh, you know, newspaper website. Um, it's another if you if if you're maybe a, a more limited, you more limited editorial resources. Because um, can we can we expect that th- this is going to happen automatically in the future? Mm. Um, uh, another thing we discussed before is the difficulty in and computers are getting better at working mm. out how to, to slice and dice an image to make it appear mm. correct in another and there are tools out there there are tools out there with artificial intelligence coming out mm. saying that okay I'll, we'll crop the image for you and you don't have to think about it but that makes me just think so if I'm on my mobile don't I want the full image don't I want the option of the full image uh, and it's it's just I don't have control of the experience anymore uh, yeah. so are we giving up user experience to the computers now? Yeah. Uh, well, yes, of course we are. <laughs> in the end, they are, they are, are. They are, our, they are our, our grand rulers. We have to just succumb to them. <laughs> the, um, I think um, one of the mm. one of the f- last things I'd like to mention is is um, a concept um, called processing fluency mm-hmm. um, as a as a solution to this. Um, this is an interesting one where. Um, and it's and it's based on on um, behavioural science, which is always going to get plus points from us. Um, <laughs> that what you do here mm. is because a web page is, is displayed semantically according mm. to the the, you know, the the HTML. That things come mm. in a certain order; they're displayed in a certain order. Mm. Um, but what processing fluency is is that you adapt the order in which things are displayed according to the expectations of the visitor in a line mm. with their task they want to complete. Mm. So the example there would be, um, you know, if, if you are going to a web page to buy a product, mm. then you're probably expecting the product image or a buy button or something is going to come up really soon. That's what you're expecting mm. to see. Um, so you display that first. Mm. Then you kind of spiral out from there with, um, with other assets, which is, which is really interesting, mm. a really interesting concept to explore. Um, but... Um, um, but it's going to be going to be more difficult to you're going to have to do it for each page type at the very least and it's going to be a lot more work there um, but what's interesting I think for me on that concept is who's going to do the job of deciding or, or, or researching the order of elements and which order they should appear in sounds like a huge undertaking actually but it sounds like a job for a UXer oh yeah oh definitely so, so this mm. is an interesting aspect of, of mm. this type of design so you you rather than concentrating on the the wireframe mm. the skill here then mm. would be will be um taking mm. the design mm. in collaboration collaboration with mm. the programmer and say okay what's the display order you know the loading order mm. the, the 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 fluency we want to have on the page mm. for this content mm. how do we want to spiral out from the the main features mm. what what research do we have to back that up the thing is, I rarely see websites being the same across time. Pe- people change their websites once a year, to, every two years, whatever. So that type of research is so expensive that uh, I'm not seeing how well, you need someone, you uh, extra dedicated on your team to do stuff like that. Uh, mm. But the people who are up, to, that's the problem that I see always. We go in, we have all these high intents, and we, we deliver on them. But in the end, there's somebody else going to be able to, uh, Someone else is going to maintain this website and spend time maintaining it. And they're they going to have the competence to think about all these different aspects. We've talked for almost 45 minutes now about just images. And there are so many aspects to it. How, how can we get everybody on the team who are producing and responsible for the website to think about this, which is just images, and then all the rest of it as well? Yeah. I guess you've got mm-hmm. to have, you've got to breed an mm-hmm. iterative and testing-based mm-hmm. culture. I like what you said about performance budget, and and I think uh, maybe a lot of people out there are struggling to think about, okay, so how do I make the case for this uh, to my managers? Uh, I'd just like to recommend, uh, on an ending note, uh, wposTats.com. Uh, which has lots of different uh, use cases, uh, real articles that it's linking to, uh, saying stuff like uh, auto anything reduced page load time by 50% and saw a 12% increase in sales. Uh, so l- reducing load time, which is what will happen if you make better images, is is you, it will impact your sales, it will impact your traffic, it will impact uh, a lot of the stuff that you do on your web page. And 
that's where the business comes in. Yeah. Hmm. And I think we're going to wind up on that point because Hmm. um, I've realized that we've now gone beyond our normal programming time. (laughs) Which which effectively means yeah. that this this show is going to be probably like th- close to thirty meg instead of twenty five meg. So oh, we've no. probably just burnt an extra mm. five meg of people's data allowance because they're going to be downloading this episode, um, and they don't have a choice if they subscribe to it. Um, mm. So that's another aspect. We we talked about v- images, but mm. we could also say the same thing about audio. That that we perhaps need to be better at sticking to our program length. Right, because and, we, and compressing the audio in some sense, but use, well, a, ver- use a variable bit rate. <laughs> well, we do do that. Yeah, I um, but I was thinking the biggest impact on our, 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 yeah. our download payload mm. size for the, for the show mm. is how many minutes we talk. Right, so is the balance of the cost of that uh, and the value we deliver, is that well thought out? I'm not so sure today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I hope you've enjoyed um, this, this topic show. Uh, the first one for mm. nearly two years. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll do a few more mm. this year. Mm. Um, the links that, um, that are related to this show, mm. and I guess there's going to be quite a few for this show because we've, mm. we've mentioned a fair few tools and, and, and articles and, and products, um, they'll be found on the show notes. Um, and um, on our website, uxpodcast.com, you can also find all our previous shows. And there's quite a few of those now. And it's well worth dipping your toes into our back catalogue. I do it occasionally and get surprised about some of the smart stuff that, um, that other people have said. Um, sometimes mm. I surprise myself with what I've said as well. Um, uh, that's what happens to me most of the time. I, I don't understand what I've said, really. You don't? <laughs> Hopefully no, I'm su- getting surprised by myself, yes. Oh, right, you mean like that. You, mean you, you understand what you said, but you're surprised by the fact yes. you said it. Yeah. Um, I'm um, Beantin on Twitter, which is I'm, B-E-A-N-T-I-N. <laughs> I'm Axboom on Twitter, which is A-X-B-O-M. I think every UX podcast, which is all one word, um, everywhere, Instagram and Twitter. Mm. Um, thank you very much for listening. Remember to keep moving. And see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.